two humorous nurses would like to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which we record our podcast, the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. We are so excited for this episode to be sponsored by eNurse. eNurse is Australia's leading one-stop nurse shop. eNurse specialises in everything a nurse or nursing student would need to survive. From comfortable, stylish and keep you cool under pressure elite hair scrubs to handheld study guides, nursing equipment and even a travel coffee mug for those long commutes. eNurse will be your new favourite online shop for all things nursing. Head to www.enurse.com.au and use our code HUMOROUSNURSES for a cheeky discount. Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast that won't touch you inappropriately. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses, where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. Deep dive time. Kelly has been buried under a million tabs on her laptop (laughs) and done a deep dive. I love these episodes because... I don't have to do anything. I just sit here and listen. I should really do one one day. On the public holiday on Monday for I came in here at 9.30, I edited the podcast, and then I left here at 3.30 after doing this deep dive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I had a quick break to make Amelia lunch, and then I kept going. So, Man, if we got paid by the hour, we'd be doing real good. Well, I mean, you would. I would (laughs) Imagine though. Right. What have you got? So I originally came across this story quite a few years ago on a podcast called The Nurse um, by Camille Bianchi, who is a journalist. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a story of James Griffin, a pediatric nurse in Launceston, Tasmania, who was charged with the sexual assault of um, many children in his care. Uh, So we'll just Mm. jump straight in because it's a bit of a long one. James Jim Griffin was born in Deloraine, Tasmania on the 14th of August, 1950. He'd been, he's been married twice and separated twice. <laughs> Already can't <laughs> read my script. Um, he's got four children. Uh, he was a type 2 diabetic and suffered from a degenerative spinal injury. He was prescribed oxycodone and Celebrex for his pain and temazepam to help him sleep. That is the red flags already. Information we'll need later. Yeah. Right. Um, along with being a, a nurse of 19 years, he'd worked on this as a nurse on the Spirit of Tasmania at the Ashley Detention Centre for Juveniles and a paediatric ward at the Launceston General Hospital, which is Ward 4K. Um, he oh. was also a medical trainer and masseuse for Netball Australia, helping most weekends with the girls' netball. And he had been a volunteer ambulance in the late 80s uh, when some of the first allegations against him were made so he's had a you know great history with children (laughs) Mm. um when this all sort of came about a colleague of griffin's um said that he was well liked on the ward however some some staff thought he was creepy um this colleague told Mm. the commission i'm choosing not to use any names so everybody's names are out there um, of mm-hmm. many of the people who made accusations against him and um, colleagues who came forward, but I'm choosing not to put any names in right. just because I um, I just, it's not, like I don't think that's something we need to do. 
So. Yeah, sure. Um, right. Where was I? So, yeah, so the colleague told the commission um, that there are occasions where he had witnessed Jim being inappropriate. Um, he'd heard Griffin say to patients, uh, parents of a five-year-old, that the drug they were giving the, trial, the child was a date rape drug um, and that he rarely followed chaperone policies with female patients. Griffin asked him if his girlfriend was still in school when he thought it was weird given he was 28 years old. And everybody just brushed it off as that's just Jim, Jim being Jim. Um, He said the culture on the ward 4K, the paediatric ward, was one of fear and that nurses felt their complaints fell on deaf ears. Management will ask if they had brought it up personally with Jim when people had complained. Um, This colleague said that he had made a complaint in 2017 after a group of adolescent female patients told him that Griffin had been giving them advice on boys, telling them what boys like and talking about the breasts of a woman at the hospital. Um, This Mm. colleague told the inquiry, he emailed the nurse unit manager who told him to put it in a complaint via the department's reporting system, which he Mm -hmm. did. Um, And the report, uh, in the report, he requested confidentiality, but he never heard anything back from right. that. Um, after the complaint was made, Griffin had been moved temporarily to the Ashley Youth Detention Centre. When um, his colleague asked Griffin why he was leaving Ward 4K, Griffin looked him right in the eyes and responded, there's nothing but fucking dibber on this ward. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that's 2017. Um. So what has been alleged that he's done? In May of 2019, an adult female came forward to the Tasmanian police and alleged that Griffin abused her when she was 11. He would have been, I think it was 58 at the time. Um, They met through the netball and at, uh, at the time Griffin was interviewed by the police and admitted to the police to criminal sexual misconduct. In October 2019, four more women had come forward with allegations against Griffin. These allegations ranged from the 1980s to 2012. Like, that's such a long time. Mm. <clears throat> In July. And he had, like, he had such access to them. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll, you'll hear later, like, this is what infuriates me so much about these people is that they they just instill them in themselves into their lives. Like mm. in July of 2019, Griffith's home was searched by police and a significant amount of child exploitation material was found. Some of the images found in his possession included not only victims who came forward, but other patients from Ward 4K at Launceston General. Oh. Um, it's interesting to note uh that in 2000, so you know, nearly 20 years earlier, a report was made to the police after a person bought a secondhand computer from Griffin and they found explicit photos of minors on the computer. Uh, However, at the time, the photos weren't considered inappropriate, so the report was closed and the discs with the photos on them destroyed. Um, And I believe that that was reported in New South Wales and when it was sent to Tasmania, they just brushed it all off, basically deemed it not an issue i suppose maybe he wasn't on their radar yet 
either. Yeah, and maybe in twenty in two thousand, what was considered child exploitation wasn't mm. what we would consider it now. I don't. I, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder. I I wonder what the content was. Yeah, it didn't was really say yeah. if it was just pictures of people's children in the hospital. Like I wonder. Yeah, what it was. It yeah. Was. Well, it was enough for someone to think this isn't normal. Yeah, you're right. And enough of it to go to the police when you've just yeah, bought a secondhand right. computer from mm. some, a stranger. Um, the search of Griffin's house uh, also found evidence of chat his chats online where he admitted to using antihistamine to sedate his victims when he sexually assaulted them and photographed them. No. Mm. One of the women that came forward described how Griffin was kissing her and gave her long hugs when she was a patient on Ward 4K. Um, he had also taken off the ward, taken her off the ward on coffee dates at times. Um, he kept he told her to keep their relationship a secret and um and this didn't raise any alarm bells at the time for her. She just thought like he was just doing nice things for her. Um, it wasn't until she heard about other women coming forward that she thought, oh, this is not That's what he did right. to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, she had a, multiple admissions over a few years and he was always a nurse. Um, and at first she wasn't concerned with her interactions with him. But one day after she'd had a horse riding accident um, and had showered herself, she couldn't find her clothes and so she mm. called the bell and he carried her back to the bed naked. Oh. She was 16 what? and her clothes were on the bed. Like, what? yeah, like he set that up. Um, he told her there were no wheelchairs so he'd have to carry her because she was unable to walk. Oh, she was recovering God. from a horse riding accident. He also communicated with her via Facebook and gave her his personal phone number so no one would see his name come up on her phone. Mm. Um, she said he would often, she would often wake to Griffin leaning closely over her whilst in bed and that once she had a seizure when Griffin was present and he would remind her that he saved her life that day and he was her hero, oh. um, she felt she owed him something because of that. Um, no one from the hospital ever questioned her about any of his conduct. God, I Get wonder what the room setup was like too. Like kids wards that I've worked in have all been almost open. Like multiple, um, yeah, yeah. Like I think one of the places I worked had like eight beds in one kind of room with all the kids. Like, oh yeah, yeah. it's just I don't, I, I don't, I honestly don't know how. Like, how hard is a sixteen-year-old to be like, oh, well, this is my nurse, and well, he's obviously he's just groomed her over me to. Because yeah. she invited him to her wedding. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is what I I mean. So Griffin had groomed the hospital staff as well as the children. Many of them have seen inappropriate things that he was doing, but they just brushed it off with the, that's just Jim, it's just yeah. Jim being Jim. He befriended them and made them think of him as a supportive father figure. How can you be a person how can you be that person and be so evil at the time? I thought he was genuine, said one of the nurses on the condition of anonymity. He groomed a lot of us. I think he showed a different side of himself to other people. Mm. He he also was seen to help a lot of um, troubled kids, kids from troubled families, so really vulnerable kids that probably don't have a, 
people looking out for them as well. He would take yeah, well, them they're into probably his quite home. Vulnerable. Yeah, oh, yeah, take them on trips. Um, oh, God. Yeah, he really overstepped that mark of nurse. Yeah. And you know, I feel like not not enough credit is given to people's intuition either. Like, yeah, I think anyone that I've ever thought, like the when you're telling this story, like there was something that happened to me as a um, teenager. Um, I went and visited a friend's grandpa whose wife had just died. And um, so we just went because we were visiting my grandparents and then we went and visited her grandpa. And um, it turned out that he was like, a, I don't know what the real term is, but like, a peeping Tom, like he had a one-way mirror in his bathroom. Oh, and yeah, he could you told see me us. about this. That's so yeah. scary. And so, and but my vibe when I first met him, and my friend said to me, and this was her step grandpa, so he wasn't like her blood relative, but like he he'd raised her dad and stuff. And um she I remember her like forewarning me saying, he's really touchy feely, but that's just him. And like he, like the first time I met him, he tried to kiss me on the lips and was like, had his hand all up my back and stuff. And I remember Ugh. thinking, whoa, like, oh yeah, they told me he was touchy feely, but this is making me really uncomfortable. And we stayed there at his house for two days, like for two nights. Yeah, that's And crazy. like, I feel like when your gut is telling you that something is not okay and that someone is giving you that creepy vibe, like go with it. I think yeah. like trust your gut unless proven otherwise. Um. You know, I wish that in that moment I went, I'm really uncomfortable, I don't want to stay here. Yeah. But I was like, well, I'm here with my friend and, like, you know, the things you go through as a friend of, like, well, no, you know, she's staying here so I'm comfortable if she's yep. comfortable. Yeah, you that's know. right. But if Too I had, like. to say anything. Yeah, absolutely. And and didn't want to deal with the ramifications of, like, trying to protect myself, I guess. Um, But, yeah, and then it wasn't, it was for, like, wasn't for months that we found out about the mirror and Mm. her parents, like, had to come and sit down with my family and tell us what had happened and, you know. Mm. And I don't think about it a lot, but it gives you, like, massive trust issues. Oh, hell yeah. And that was something that didn't really happen, you know, directly to me. It was just, like, later I found out that he was probably watching me in the bathroom. Um, Yeah. Actually, but, that's something that one of his victims, when they when they talked in the podcast about how when she found out there were photographs, mm. that was very upsetting to her. Yeah, she's like, it's one thing to be abused and know you were abused, even though you weren't conscious during it because he drugged them. Right. But to have photos taken, and her sister had also been abused, and she was devastated to think there might be sisters, the photos of her sister. Well, like she found like that thinking- very hard. Now, yeah. now I'm thinking it's never actually occurred to me that there could be photos of me. Yeah. Like when, when the mirror was found, um, his, his like ex, well, his late wife's sister found the mirror because there were the kids next door were playing at his house with his dog and they found the mirror oh. and reported it to their parents who then told the sister-in-law. And she went and saw the mirror and said to him, you better get rid of that or you're going to prison. So he got rid of it. And so it was never actually like formally reported to uh, the police and like there's no proof because the only people that saw it were the two kids and the sister-in-law who she yeah, won't report it. No. So, and now crazy. I'm like, oh, my God, there could be photos of yeah. me in this old creepy d- He's probably dead by now. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Next. Next creep. <laughs> yeah. An internal review by the Tasmanian police found the first complaint was made against Griffin back in 20, uh, 2009 
However, due to a lack of communication between agencies like the child services and the police, nothing of it actually came from it. Of course. Um, it was reported in a review of the police conduct of this uh, case that the actually information of potential child abuse by Griffin that was actually received in 2009, 2011, 2013, 2015 and 2019. Honestly. Um, I hope these victims got a fuckload of money from the government I for the police not doing Until their job properly. Recently, they weren't even allowed to talk because of Tasmanian laws. You oh weren't God. allowed, victims weren't allowed to have a voice. Um, the hardest part is that he was really friendly with some of the parents of the victims. So he went camping with everybody. He was well-trusted. He was what? supportive of those who had troubled lives. He'd often have them to sleep over and this was when the abuse would occur. Oh, my one God. Of, yeah, one of the victims met Griffin when they 4K Christmas party. Her mother was also a nurse who worked with Griffin. She believed he started grooming her when she was 14 and they spent a lot of weekends together as he was a family friend. He would introduce her as his special girl. He would offer her back rubs to help her sleep. He would often assault her while others were sleeping in the same room. Um, she said after the first assault, the next morning it was like nothing had happened and they went about their day with everyone around and it made her question what had actually happened to her and second-guessed. Oh, my God. What And it was whilst they were all in a room watching a movie, he literally abused her in front, like, in that area God. with everyone around. Like, he was very brazen. Mm. Um, it happened again during a family camping trip, and she said that whilst she could tell her mother everything and they were very close, she couldn't tell her this as she and Griffin were such good friends. She came forward when she learned of the others coming forward in 2019 um, because she felt that there was power in numbers that one person yep. wouldn't be believed. So she she got the courage to come forward. She started by telling her mum what had happened with Griffin. Her mum said that when she finally realised that, yes, it, it happened, she can remember her crying and screaming. And then she sent a text message to her old friend, Jim, that said, how dare you, Jim? How fucking dare you? I trusted you. My daughter trusted you. She never told me until now because he's such a nice man and she didn't want to ruin your life. Um, well, consider it well and truly ruined. Don't bother replying. Wow. He he replied to her and said, my life is already ruined. Thank you for your past friendship. Oh. <laughs> What about all the lives he's ruined? I know, I know. The victim said she remembers the moment well. Mum was obviously very shocked and then I think the anger started to come out. Once I told mum everything happened so quickly, a detective from the police got in touch with me and I had to go and make my statement. Two weeks later I got a message from the detective that they said they had charged Jim. Um, In any other Australian jurisdiction, jurisdiction, diction? (laughs) Jurisdiction. Jurisdiction. There's no T. Anyway, it's weird. Uh, Griffin might have been charged with the rape of a child, but in Tasmania at that time, and it's 2019, the name of the offence that he was charged under was euphemistically titled maintaining a sexual relationship with a younger person under the age of 17 to whom you were not married. What? 
Imagine that. Have they, have they amended sexual, that? They have amended that. And oh, now God. he was, uh, they, he, it's been changed to repeated sexual abuse of a child. Good. That's fucked. Yeah. So um, I found this in one article, but I couldn't find it in any other article. And I could not, they all kept talking about the replace report. And I could not find the replace report anywhere. I assume the, you need the to what have report? police report. You kept saying replace report. (laughs) My tongue's very dry. Um, They kept talking about, actually, they're talking about the police charge sheet and I couldn't find this charge sheet. Obviously, I don't have journalistic access access to a lot of these things. I might think of myself as an investigative journalism, but it's not the case. Um, But I did find (laughs) in one newspaper article that they listed this charge history um, for what he was charged on in October 2019, but I don't know how accurate it is. I couldn't find anywhere else. But just as an example of how far back his um, assault went, these are the charges they said he was charged with. So for t- 1987 to 89, indecent, well, indecent sexual assault of a victim in Youngtown, Tasmania, uh, in 1987 to 1990, four times indecent sexual assault of a second vi- victim in Youngtown, Tasmania. In 1988 to 89, indecent sexual assault of a third victim in Youngtown, Tasmania. 2009 to 2013, um, maintaining a sexual relationship with a younger person under the age of 17 and sexual intercourse with a young person under the age of 17, multiple locations around Tasmania. It's crazy that they're not saying like that it that he was drugging them and it was against their will. Yeah. Like, well, I guess that's saying what sexual assault is, and I guess there's other factors. No, isn't it ma- like maintaining a sexual relationship? Yeah, or but that's what the terminology of it was back then. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. Like it's it just seems yeah. so unjust. It seems so like oh, he was just having sex with a young person under seventeen. Yeah, not, and that not, they were all for consensual. Yeah. Yeah. In 2011 to 2012, times two indecent sexual assault in South Launceston, Tasmania. 2015, involved with a person under the age of 18 in the production of child exploitation material or child porn. Why don't we just say it? Mm. Uh, 2015, distributing child sexual, uh, child exploitation material. 2015, producing child exploitation material. 2016, successfully passed his working with children's and vulnerable people check yeah fucked um so none of these charges had happened prior this was like yeah, post yeah. that but like good to know that yeah. in 2016 he passed his working with children's check mm. um in 2019 possession of child exploitation material griffin had once told one of his victims after uh like in that year 2019 that he wouldn't spend any time in jail um on October 13 uh, so he's been charged with multiple offenses and he was released on bail yeah on October he was charged on October 3 released on bail and October 13 Griffin called his son asking for support um his son went over there and then when he left the house Griffin texted him and said can you check on me the next day if you haven't heard anything from me? The next day, his son returned to the father's house after no reply. 
uh, for a text and found him unresponsive in the chair in his living room. Oh uh, he was taken to Launceston General Hospital and he died on the 18th of October. I did read his coroner's report mm-hmm. um, and it stated that there were no anatomical causes of death and no signs of injury. Blood tests showed fatal doses of oxycodone as well as doxylamine, doxylamine, which is the antihistamine used for insomnia and also the drug he used mm. to drug his victims. Mm, of course. Um, Tamazepam and naloxone. Um, he took naloxone because yeah, no, he was probably on Tarzan. Yeah, well, I it was on oxycodone and it must have been part of the oxycodone. Yeah, like Tarzan. Yeah. Um, it was noted that on his dining room table all his affairs were in order, including his will, some bills, a family photo albums, envelopes for family members that contain cash, and oh letters with requests and directions associated with the administration of his estate. I hope um, that, like, what? <sighs> his death was deemed a suicide. Um, the death- yeah, I've, just, I've just Googled a picture of him. Oh, he looks like just an everyday old man. He just a looks like creepy every dad I've ever seen. Yeah. Hey? I said he, he looks like an every, like a little old man, but now we know his story. He looks creepy. Terrifying. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like there's a photo of him smiling like he looks lovely and friendly. And you could just see how people could, I mean, you know, not to judge a book by its cover, but like, you know, you know, you wouldn't think looking at him that he's evil. I mean, we've all worked with that older nurse in their 60s, older male nurse mm. in their 60s mm. who just hang out and sometimes say inappropriate things and we're like, oh, <laughs> they're just old. Like, <laughs> uh, uh. And, and I I used to work with a male nurse on kids' ward and, um, like, wrongly while you've been saying all this stuff, I've been picturing him, like, in <laughs> you know, just, but I know that it's not him, but... You know, and he, like, is genuinely so lovely. And I think how would I feel if something came out about him? Like, um, mm. not that he, and then I say not that he would, but that's probably what people would have said about Jim. But, you know, yeah. you just don't. And I'm, and I'm sure that, and I'm sure, you know, as we know, there are female nurses out there who do fucked up shit. Oh, my God. But, um, of course. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, this is a hard one to digest. And I think the fact that he got away with it for so long, but people did report. Yeah, I'll keep going a little bit because I think more. just because he was so invested in people's families and he was like he so like committed to the cause. Yeah, he did like netball and he was like a yeah, trainer there, and so you can imagine what he was doing like that. Um, athlete, and he had know, his own coach, kid, the coach so, NASA, Larry NASA, with the American. Um, oh athlete, yeah, like gymnastics team. Like he was probably massaging them in front of their mothers, mm. in a not a good way. Mm. Um. Are you getting sweaty armpits or sweaty balls walking to work in your scrubs? Well, every nurse needs a pair of scrubs that are breathable, super comfy and not clingy. Elite Care was designed by a nurse for nurses. They're 55% cotton blend, so they're cool and comfortable, durable and have plenty of pockets. And when I say plenty, I mean like plenty. Pen loops, chest loops, everything for like your glasses, your name tags, and they have heaps of different designs. They're size inclusive up to a 5XL and have great colours. Enos have a 100% satisfaction guarantee, free shipping on orders over $150 and are packed within 48 hours of ordering. And they literally have everything you could ever need to do your job. Head to www.enurse.com.au to check out their whole range of 
Elite Care Scrubs. Don't forget our code Humorous Nurses for a cheeky discount. Enos loves our nurses. Anyway, his death has left his victims very upset that they won't get their day in court. They're frustrated mm. that the system failed them. They want to know why he wasn't held in jail. Uh, Camille Bianchi, who's the host of the Nurse Podcast, she she basically has said that the suicide was a big fuck you to the victims and the whole process. Yeah. He took the easy way out. He derived, deprived his victims of their day in court and the chance to look their predator in the face and say, this is how you hurt me. These people, the ones he hurt as children, the ones who came forward and reported him to the police, were just beginning to find their voice in agency again. They had waited years. They wanted answers. But he was released by the courts without adequate supervision and now they will never get justice. There will be no answers, no resolution, no validation of their suffering. When he died, the cogs of justice just creaked to a halt. It was case closed. Comparing Griffin's death to the alleged suicide of infamous pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, Bianchi said she was determined to make a podcast to give the survivors their chance to be heard. He got to choose his way out. He got to have power over the outcome, which is once again power over his victims too. Mm. If you listen to the podcast, she actually, quite a few of the victims and and the mother that that was the nurse is on um. I don't think they speak directly. They have used actors, but they are part of the wow. of the podcast. And it really does, it's a great podcast, actually. And Camille, um, oh, she has a great voice to listen to, probably better than <laughs> mine. But, um, I, you know, I listened to it such a long time ago and I sort of went back and listened to a couple of episodes, um, you know, last week. And he really, no one talked about it. It wasn't out there. This man actually had done an article in the ANMF, um, a few years prior about his dad being a war veteran. Like mm. he inserted himself in so many areas and he groomed so many people, including mm. these children, you know, parents. And whilst he wasn't assaulting young kids, he was assaulting teenagers. It doesn't really matter. He was using his privilege of power mm. to yeah, his sick advantage. Yeah. I think I wonder um so he sends his son a message saying, check on me tomorrow if you don't hear from me, a.k.a. I'm probably going to top myself I or someone's going to top me. And he right? told someone he won't go to jail, he'd rather kill himself, and he does. And this is the thing, well, like, what I want to know, what did the son do with that information? Like, Well, he went home. And- he texted him the next day. He didn't get a response. He went back and found him dead. Yeah, uh, that's fucked. Like, I mean, he probably sitting there thinking, well, you deserve to die. You can't. <laughs> but you can yeah, beat that out if you want. Um, but I, I feel like what, like his son should have reported that to someone, at least told his lawyer or like tell the police and my dad's going to kill himself. So like, you need to, um, unless he's also thinking, I'll just let him do it. It's, it's the easy way out. It's quiet. No, like his name won't be smeared everywhere because outside of Launceston, this wasn't very well. No, publicised. No. And when did we ever see it on the news four years ago? I don't think so. No. And she, the um, Camille, the podcast host, she was saying how little it was investigated because Launceston is a small town, has small town vibes, and it no does. one investigated it because there was it was too difficult to do. What? Also, the hospital wasn't very cooperative with the investigation. Um. And a lot of people were too scared to come forward, uh, worried it might cost them their jobs. 
Um, there was a lot of cover-ups and the 2022 commission, it was noted that only 17% of healthcare workers at LGH or Launceston General Hospital had a working with vulnerable persons and children's check. Jesus. 17%. It's supposed to be 100%. Um, the general medical director of the Launceston General Hospital couldn't tell the commission if they had been any marked changes to the systems and processes at the hospital following the information of Griffin's offending. One of the colleagues that submitted the complaint that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. um, which had gone unanswered, he actually went and copied out his complaint because after like once the news of Griffin's charges and subsequent mm-hmm. death became public, because he'd heard reports through the hospital that they, they were deleting reports and complaints. So this he is wanted the thing, a copy right? of his own. And this is the thing with hospitals like that, like they're self-governing in a way. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, they, they are governed, you know, overarchingly by the NSQHS or whatever and the, the commission. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, like when you do a VIMS or when you do an incident report, it goes to your manager. Your manager's got a choice as to whether that goes further unless it's like a severe um, yeah. event. And then where does it go? Like, okay, yeah, you might see some journal entries and whatever. and But if it's, like, something serious or if you put in a serious complaint, like, if people are immoral, they can do what yeah. they like with it when they see it. Like, yeah. there's, I, I feel like, you know, in this instance, like, yeah, they could well and truly delete things because it makes them culpable if they knew about it and did yeah. nothing. Like... It's yeah. it, it, essentially it's just burying evidence, isn't it? And I'm sure yeah. that, like, it's not the first time a hospital has done that. Like, no, look I at, mean, um, look at that Dr. Death in Queensland. In and Redon Devort, like the hospital buried stuff there too. Like everyone. <laughs> everyone we've ever covered. <laughs> and, and, you know, until recently, like, I was very trusting, you know, when you submit stuff. But now I take copies of absolutely fucking everything because. Everything. Like, yeah, everything. And I email Everything. Everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bianchi reached out to the um to APRA to see if they had actually received any complaints mm-hmm. about Griffin, but um uh and to see if they'd actually had done anything prior to this. But mm-hmm. um I don't I don't actually know the outcome of that. And I, I unfortunately can't go back and listen because it's the nurse's podcast has been pulled off the air. What? Um, because at the moment, until the Royal Commission is complete, because there's oh. currently a Royal Commission into it, and the final report for that Royal Commission is due in May 2023. Right. Um, there are two seasons of it. So this, I haven't really gone into depth of what he he's done. It's really just a bit of a just the gist of this bloke that mm-hmm. no one's ever heard about three or four years ago in our country being a predator in a paediatric mm. hospital. But I do feel like those poor victims involved, they really, you know, Tasmanian law, like the, until recently they had a, you can't, like the, it was like a, they're not allowed to speak their story. Like, you know, that's what that Grace Tame was saying. They, they you know, they fought really mm. hard to, so they could have a voice and they could mm. um, speak out because it was all about protecting, you know, the acute, like the, um, the person being accused. Yeah. But it's. Um, but at the end of the day, if you've got that many women coming forward, or you've got that many, you know, people coming forward saying this person assaulted me, this person molested me, yeah. whatever it is. Like, I think unless it's like a he said, she said kind of story. Yeah. Which 
again, like believe the friggin' victim. But like, I don't yeah. understand the the notion of like protecting the identity of this alleged, you know, serial pedophile. Like, yeah. I I really like, yeah, okay, innocent until proven guilty. But like, why is it that pedophiles are being protected, but people yeah. who people who are involved in you know car accidents that result in people being injured or or being killed their identity is like you're you're guilty until proven innocent like and their identity is not protected but yeah. they're not they're not assaulting children like no i know I it's just, so it, backwards isn't it it's and so backwards the process that the victims have to go through again mm-hmm. post i mean they've already been molested and assaulted and mm. made and they're like you know children and then they well, have to stand up and do it again and be questioned about yeah. were they asking for it is this yeah and that whole thing they have to go through in court is just why Bullshit. did you wait so long to talk yeah, oh, so I don't know up. because who's going to believe me over a nurse there needs to be almost some sort of law like that that victims of sexual crimes can't shouldn't be cross-examined like especially like by the defend by the defense's lawyer like let them be examined let them be questioned by their own lawyer like i don't know how they'll ever do it in a fair way that's it's just like this is why this is why people don't come forward because it's fucking traumatizing like you were saying about this girl who told her mom and then how quickly it unraveled like imagine telling your mom and then going fuck now i've got to tell all these other people and like now my name's not gonna be my name's gonna be out there and i'm gonna have to go and deal with this and if court takes two years i'm gonna be battling with this again for two years when it took me this long to get over it like yeah you can totally see why people don't come forward because it's it's too hard. Basket. And then in their case, they come forward, they tell their story, he gets charged, he kills himself. Done. <laughs> it's over. Well, what good did like, that do? How, how is it over? Like there's no He hasn't had to face his crime. The only way that it's the only way that it's benefiting anyone is that he's not around to molest anyone else. No, and you but, stop that. Yeah. Like you stop that cycle. Yeah. But someone could have stopped that cycle maybe back in 2000 if the police mm. hadn't listened. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. like this is the thing that, yeah, I don't know. And I think the power that we have as nurses as being one of the trusted professions yeah. um, is outrageous. I mean, that's what we we talk about in all our nurses who kill episodes as it is. Like this mm. this is just a different, a different thing that you just, yeah, who would have thought? Yeah. I think sometimes the Americans get it really, really wrong in the justice system, but then I think sometimes they get it really right. Like, and they um, penalise the fuck out of them. They go to jail for 150 yeah. years. Yeah. Well, and and also, like, I, this just reminds me a little bit of, like, I was obsessed. I've been obsessed. Oh, there's something wrong with me. But I'm obsessed with, like, kidnappings. Ooh. Like, I know it's fucked up. And, like, the Madeline McCann thing, like, I spent months, like, research, <laughs> researching that. Anyway, and then um, J.C. Lee Dugard, who went missing Ooh, in yes. um, uh, somewhere in the south in um, in America, somewhere there, and um, she was kidnapped when she was walking to school or to the bus stop or something, and then she lived with her captor and his wife and then her two children that she had by him for eighteen years, and yep. the cops, the and so and he was a convicted child sex offender, and. Um, the cops 
used to come and visit him because he was like on supervision and they would come and visit him in the home and she was living in a shed like in a tent city in the backyard with her two children that she'd home birthed at 13 and 15 and like nothing, they never once stepped in the house, they never once looked in the backyard and um, she when she was finally rescued because of a female cop who looked and like who looked at him and then looked at one of the young girls and went, they have the same eyes. There's something not right. He's a child sex offender who's like loopy as a lizard. And um, anyway, so she ended up, this is a whole different story. <laughs> anyway, she's the reason that JC was found. But the point of the story is JC and her family ended up suing the government because mm. the cops failed to do their job correctly. And yeah. she got millions in settlement because this poor girl was kidnapped yeah. and he he was a known sex offender who lived in her neighbourhood. Like if anyone, if any of the cops had walked into the backyard at any point during his parole, which was like must have been the entire time because yeah. he was already a sex offender when he kidnapped her, like if at any point in that 18 years a cop had gone into the backyard, they would have found her. Yeah. And so, yes, yeah, she got awarded millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I feel really sad for the victims of in this case because not only nothing. have they not been able to tell their story publicly, mm. shame this fucking human and, you know, get some level of closure, like they're not going to be compensated in yeah, any way. Yeah, there's no victim of crime if there's no crime. He should have got his affairs in order and said my estate goes to all of the people that I assaulted. Yeah, I mean, he obviously doesn't give a fuck about them, does he? No, but this, yeah, this is the thing. How can you live? How can you live this way? And in, and honestly, like he's making friends with his colleagues and spending time on the weekend. I, the only people I spend time with is like you, like from work, really, and the girls. But yeah, like I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't know if one of the guys at my work was like, "Want to come camping?" I'd be like, "Fuck no." <laughs> like, I just, he's he's spent so much time, so much energy getting to know these people, getting That's to right, know their families, them. literally like, honestly, grooming them. And so yeah. committed. So committed. Like, yep. Imagine he how was many he would have on the go at once. So fucked. So fucked. I mean, this in the podcast they go life. way more in depth. Like they talk about, you know, people come have walked into the room and, you know, he's been in very inappropriate situations with patients and, yeah. you know, not using the chaperone policy when you're with a female patient yeah. and doing procedures. And, you know, there were many nurses that sort of had said, I wish I'd said something, but I didn't, I didn't think, you know, the child wasn't upset or there wasn't, you know, I just thought, oh, that's just Jim. Mm. Like that fucking, that's just Jim. It's like that bitch of a nurse that's mean to the students. You'd be like, oh, that's just, you know, Karen. <laughs> like, but no one ever calls her out on it. So stop being such a bitch to the nursing students, <laughs> you old buddy bat. But, like, no one said to Jim, stop touching them or stop yeah, hugging right. them or, st- you know, don't take them out for coffee or don't take them home for the weekend. I tell you what, the gist of this is just some people need to grow some fucking balls too, hey. Like, I feel yeah. like there's too much, there's too much of this in the, in the nursing culture of, like, don't ask, don't tell, don't say yeah. anything. Like, um, you know, taking shit, taking shit is in the nurse's job description, whatever. Like, yeah. I feel like. From day dot, well, almost from day dot, I have been like, like, and and another person that that um, came in my mind while you were telling us about Jim was um, that guy that stalked me when I was a grad, mm. um, and 
I, I knew mega fucking creepy. And mm. there were lots of times where I told him to stop, but I never, I was never assertive enough to be like, you are making me extremely uncomfortable enough enough, or I'll be reporting you. Like I never did that. Yeah. And um, that's very hard to do though. Yeah, of course, when especially you're when you're supposed threatened. to be caring for them. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like if that was me now, I would totally do it. Because I'm a lot more. No one would stalk you now, though, because you're too scary. Because you would do that. Nah. I just think I'm too scary. I'm too intimidating now. Yeah. You just. Before then, I was just like head down, bum up. Now I'm bum down, head up. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that was just a little uh, insight into it. I do recommend listening to the podcast when it comes back. I'm relieved this wasn't as triggering as I thought it was going to be. No, I really didn't go too in depth with um mm. the well, I might have if I could have listened to the podcast. I was gonna say this is a lot better. You doing this is a lot better than me doing this because I'm like I get analysis paralysis and I need every detail and I have to know every piece of information. Yeah, yeah. and then share that with the world. And that's I am too much. um listening to the Lucy Letby trial podcast, Ooh. and I we've had a few. Listeners Lots. recommend that we cover it. <laughs> and I think we will cover it, but I'll tell yeah. you what, until I started listening to the podcast, now I understand she is a NICU nurse. I mm. get that. I know what the NICU is. My child was in a NICU. I mm-hmm. fully understand it. Until I listened to the podcast and I heard that the first victim was uh, born 10 weeks premature, mm. I was like, fuck, she's killing premature babies. Mm. Like I hadn't put two and two together and I listen to it while I'm I've been listening to it in the morning while I make my child's lunch and um honestly I was crying over a Vegemite I mean I didn't ham and beetroot I didn't cry (laughs) but I uh it's very interesting Mm. and I'm I'm only on baby e and it goes all the way to baby q oh Um, Jesus Christ and I I'm interested to see the culpability of the hospital once again. Mm-hmm. How only one hospital? Much, yep. How much they've missed? How like I want to see that? Yeah, and I think I'll cover it, but I'm going to need a bit of time to process it. And I think we need to make sure everybody's ready for it. Anyway, well, thanks, good. Kelly. I hope it was good. Yeah, I really enjoyed. I mean, I didn't enjoy it, but. <laughs> um I think I don't know I I feel like when we do these episodes it just gives you that bit more perspective I don't know it makes Mm. you think that and it makes you realize that I don't know there's assholes out there who are just a lot of yeah yeah that's right and they're in the nursing community as well sadly they are and hold your hospital accountable if you're reporting something like this nag them continue like they can't sack you for reporting something ask for an outcome and if you don't hear anything and you really truly suspect something go to APRA and contact your union like get them involved because if you're making a complaint about something that that's serious like this you know yeah um, and you're worried about your own protection like yeah protecting you and um although in, in this case so that guy obviously or the colleague reported it and then Jim must have found out about that. Mm. 
So, yep. again, that's more ammo that you can take to the union and take to APRA and go, yeah. well, actually, the whistleblower policy, like you can, you've blown the whistle and you haven't been protected. Yeah. Um, so there's another thing that the hospital is then accountable for. Like I think definitely keep them accountable. Ask yeah. for an outcome. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like we're there for the patients. And if you're witnessing things that are inappropriate or not acceptable, um, it's your duty to report it because yeah, that's exactly um, right. It is our duty. Yeah. It's our duty of care, and a lot of the time, that even if it is someone that you trust and you like, if you see something, your eyes generally don't deceive you. No, <laughs> like yeah. and or bre- breach it with them straight away. I yeah. get, that's very difficult. I fully appreciate it is. that. And, that is and I think super difficult, when especially you if they're up. more senior than you. Oh, yeah. And when you brought that up about um, management turning around and saying, well, have you brought that up with Jim? Like there's a point where you can't. Like there's a, no, there's a exactly point where right. like and that's the problem I think with modern day management is very much like putting the accountability back on the staff member yeah. who's making the complaint because management don't want to deal with complaints all the time, which is fine because I think if it's something like um, a disagreement or whatever, like, yeah, yeah if I can deal with that yourself. But not a... But not complaint. when you're like reporting sexual assault or yeah. like inappropriate conduct with patients. Yeah. Like you should not, that should not be your responsibility to address with him. That's a management issue. So, and put that on management that actually it's not your responsibility to performance manage him. So um, that's their responsibility exactly. and to investigate the allegations that you're making and definitely put things in writing because nothing gets done if it's verbal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's all I have to say about that. Yes, sounds good. It's coming from someone who's made a lot of complaints yeah. over the years. Oh my god, um, a lot of you. Thank you for listening to my little TED talk. Mm, thank you for holding it. Five star review on whatever um, podcast platform you listen to us on, mm. uh, and Instagram us at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast. And you can send us an email, hello at twohumorousnurses.com. That's humorous like the bone. H-U-M-E-R-U-S. Bye. Bye.